I'd just like us to turn to Philemon and just consider a few thoughts tonight from uh, this book. Right. Um, really the theme and uh, the subject is salvation and restoration of a runaway slave and God's overall divine providence. In all of this, for he was a vile runaway sinner and as that can receive by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, he becomes a saint of God. Praise God, he begins as a slave. He begins his life in Nisimus as a servant, as someone that uh, is in bonds. But praise God, becomes free. Salvation in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now Onesimus, as um, I've stated and we know, was a slave. At that time, the Roman Empire was built on slaves. About They reckoned about a third of the, the Roman Empire uh, was slaves, you know, on the back of slaves. Um, <clears throat> slaves took on many different forms. Some actually were um, highly prized by owners. Some were educationally helpful. It was just the name given to a slave as someone that served in that sense. But in the looking at it overall, really in, in reality, as a slave, Onesimus was subject to the every whim of his master. And so the slaves were at that time. They were subject uh, in their service and everything they did. They really didn't have many of them any rights whatsoever. And that's an awful state to be in. In other words then, we can say that they were the personal property of the owner. And that's not a very good state, is it? It's not the best state, really, to be in. We don't, uh, well, as we go on and consider Nesimus, Philemon, his master, was a very influential, godly man. And, and obviously, I would feel in this situation, he would be fairly lenient because of his testimony and because of his manner of living and because of his status and the kind of person he was. I don't think uh, Onesimus would, would have a difficult time, but w whatever it was, he was still, in that sense, a slave. So we know that Philemon then was a wealthy believer. He believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says this uh, as he writes to him. He knows that. And his family as well, praise God, they all were believers, all Christians. And it says that up here, and, uh, uh, you know what? <laughs> it's some name that I always see. Not to quite get that right. I, I rip, I'll tell you what. Doesn't matter how Dennis many Stokes. times. Yeah. A chip. 
So the hangover will start again. Or Chippers, or Chippies. That's him, yeah. Who was the son? And so it goes right through the whole family. And uh, the church, of course, it says, Paul says, was in his house. So here was a very wealthy man who loved God and his family loved God and everything would seem to be fine in that situation. So then why did Onesimus do what? What was it then? Well, we don't really know exactly, but whatever it was, he did that and he ran off. And he might have robbed his master, we don't know, because there's an indication that he had to put things right. So that may well have been the case. So whatever it was, he ran off and he ran off and he went to Rome. Now in Rome, he hears Paul, the apostle, who is now uh, in confinement uh, in a home with a Roman soldier to guard him and waiting for trial uh, before the emperor. But he's still ministering the gospel. And praise God, it's an open home. It's lovely, isn't it, to have an open home where the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ can be shared. And you know, Paul, even in his bonds, they always witnessed every opportunity he had. And people did come to hear him. And it seems that Onesimus heard the word of God because he believed and he, he was saved. And I would believe it was possibly through the ministry of Paul because everything else leads on to this. But even more so than this, he becomes a valued helper to Paul. You see, yes, he was a slave. But he's now a saint in the sense that he's liberated and he wants to give back something. Now, it's nice, Al. It's the right attitude and frame of mind to be in. And as believers, we've always got to hold that position. It's not a question of what we can have. It's a question of what we can give. It's a question of what we can give and how much and in whatever situation we feel led in Christ. But you see, he obviously felt more, I feel, than an obligation because Paul loved them in the sense that he regarded them as a son. And, you know, if you look at that whole situation, here is Paul now very old in his latter years. And here is someone... Obviously, I would, I would think quite young, his son in God. And it's so important, you know, in Christian uh, experience and, and in our own experiences to share the good news in, gospel, in the gospel with those that will hear and be mentors, really, to many if we can be. And sadly today, you know, there, there doesn't seem to be a desire, and I, I don't know why, but there doesn't seem to be that desire so much for the word of God. See, believers would talk about the, the, the Lord. My younger days, I grew up with men who loved God, loved the word, and where you talked and, and were together, and it builds you up, it encourages you. We need to be encouraged through the word of God. But today there seems to be a dearth. You see, people, believers, will talk about everything and anything, but they never seem to want to talk about the word. 
And how important is that? We need to build ourselves up in the things of God. And you know what? The more we talk about the Lord, the more we read the word, the more we share, the more we listen to what others have to say, the more we learn, the more we gain, the more we grow. It doesn't matter how much we seem to think we know. We don't. It's like everything's learning again. Nobody knows everything. Thank God for that. You know, in a way. Or you couldn't live with somebody that knew everything. Well, I couldn't anyway. So you see, we've got to learn. And the best way to learn is with a man of God. And I'll tell you this. Who better than Paul? Really, to learn from. I mean, he shared the gospel. And he shared himself. And we'll see this later as we go on. So really I want to bring out six thoughts, uh, six aspects of this situation. And the first one is this. What do we see in, in Onesimus becoming from a slave to a saint and the ministry of the Apostle Paul? Well, we see first the riches of God's grace. Why? As stated, Onesimus believes the gospel. He has the good news of salvation. That's exactly what he needs. And he finds it changes his life and he becomes saved. So the first thing we see with him, there's a change. There has to be a changed life. From a sinner bound for hell, praise God, to a believer now destined for heaven. You see, what a contrast. There couldn't be a greater contrast. Bound a slave in sin, now set free, liberated, and not a sentence of death and condemnation because you're bound, but now liberty and a freedom because you're heading towards heaven. You've got a home, you've got a goal, you've got somewhere that, that means something so much. And you see, and this is what Anissimus found, how gracious is God, his favour towards us, his people, from the time we're saved. And that was great when we, the day, you know, when we're talking about that. You see, every one of us had something to say. Whether we stood up or not, it doesn't matter. You see, because it's the reality of a special day in our lives. It changed, it revolutionised, and it does, it should, continually revolutionise our life. There's got to be a continuation. So how gracious is our God, a sinner bound for hell, now a believer, destined for heaven. And that was it. Salvation then, first of all, we see, begins at conversion. It has to. Our conscience and conviction brings us to the realisation that we need to be saved. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are converted. Our life is altered. It is now complete because we are trusting in him. So we all must be saved before our journey begins. We cannot begin our Christian journey. Onesimus couldn't begin his life 
in Christ and his journey in God until he was saved and so it is with us. So how far have I progressed? How far am I progressing in God? You see I say this to us all but I say this to me first because we're all in this position. The Christian life and experience is a progression. We're going on continually and that's where it has to be. And you see what a freedom there is in Christ. And that brings us to our second point. It's this. We see that when one becomes a Christian, he or she or they still have obligations. We still have obligations that we must live by and through what the Lord requires of us in our life and experience. It's completely different because now we see our conscience is activated. It's liberated. And so we've got to work according to the Holy Spirit working in our, on our conscience and in our experience and bringing us through the word and what the Lord wants, what we really need. And so you see, we have this obligation. Why am I saying this? Well, to live a Christ-like life, yes, that's why. But Onesimus must return to Philemon. Why? Remember, he ran off. Might have robbed him and ran off and disappeared and said, well, that's it. Don't want to know. But you see, he had an obligation. Because as a believer now, he has to put things right. You cannot leave it as it is. You just cannot do that. You see, that's the power of conviction. That's why conviction is like a two-edged sword. To the world, it cuts one way, bringing salvation. To the believer, it cuts the other way, activating the conscience and doing the right thing through the Holy Spirit. So you see, he must return. Why? Well, because in a way, you know, looking at the natural, the law and restitution must be made. If necessary, as I said, he might have robbed them. It has to be made. See, it must be made and it must be put right. Now, I've mentioned this before, but it's a great example. It's the best example I can ever think of. I have a friend, he's actually, well, he's a good age now, Sid, you see. And what happened? His conversion was remarkable. It's the only conversion that I've known that's similar to Saul uh, on the Damascus Road. Because he was heading back to work where, where, where he worked with us. An ungodly man invited Ernie Burns invited him to, to come. He set out from home unsaved. He's walking along the drive to where the factory where we had our meeting, Christian Fellowship. And he suddenly thought, what am I doing? I'm going back to work out of hours. I must be mad. And just as he was about to turn, a voice said, go on. And he went on. And when he come, this is remarkable. You talk about the grace of God. We're all sitting in this meeting. And Ernie's saying, I invited Sid, you know, to come. Oh, great. In walks Sid. Sit down. Oh, he said, stop. I've got to tell you, the Lord spoke to me on the way here. And he came in saved. He's, he left his door unsaved 
and he arrived to where we were, a changed man, you know, absolutely. But why I've said that is this. He was a rogue. The, the whole far knew his brother lived near very well. The, the were the Welpads, right? Trust us. And he robbed people. He, he, that was his, his manner of living. He, he really, he did. An ungodly man. He really was. He then went back to every place that he'd stolen from to put it right. He either took things back and... You know, he, he ran the risk, in a sense, of them not taking any notice and being prosecuted. But God had his hand on them. They were so shocked and surprised that someone would come back honestly and open up honestly and said, Look, I robbed you of this, but I want to make it right. You see, simply because of that, that's the work of grace. That's what God does in the life of someone that finds Christ. They want to put it right. It's got to be put right. And you see, that's exactly it. To live a conscience clear in the light of our Christian experiences, both in all our spiritual, certainly yes, and our natural situations. In other words, in everything. Now the third thing we see is this, we see the great humility of Paul, an apostle. Why? Paul could well be the greatest of all the apostles, although the man in humility counted himself as the least. But men elevate, you see, but the godly man doesn't need to be elevated. God does the elevation. Listen, let God do with your life the best in what he wants to do. Not yourself. It might work in Paul, but it cannot be successful in God. Let God do it. Let God do his work in our experience. And that really, in a way, is what Onesimus did. But you see, Paul was the greatest of all apostles, yet he finds time to reconcile a master, Philemon, with a slave, Onesimus. And that's a good example for us. Whenever too big or small or whatever situation we're in, it doesn't matter. We're all one in him. And the fourth thing we see, we'll have to hurry on, is we see <clears throat> Paul reveals the brotherhood of the saints. How important is that? How vital is fellowship in every sense of the word? We are here tonight. Why? We're here to hear the word. We're here to have fellowship, most of all with the Lord and with each other. That's the privilege. You know, I, I cannot understand how Christians cannot come to God's house when they're able. There's times you cannot, but God knows that. We cannot always be here. But be here when we can be. And, and, and that's the important thing. All one, you see, in Christ Jesus. Just look.
look at it. Paul, the greatest apostle, Anisimus, a one-time slave, being saved. What an opposite. But you see, there's reconciliation there because of the love in Christ that Paul has for him and for the affection that Anisimus has for Paul. And that brings us together, you see, in Christ. That's what fellowship is. It's affection, one for another, with each other, only through Christ. We're all one on one level with him. We're all our standing is in him. Nothing else matters in that sense. It's all through him. And so you see, it's the fellowship of believers. No social class. No distinction in Christ. Why? We're all sinners saved by grace. That's what we, all of us, sinners saved by grace. Thank God for his grace. This is the answer, is it not, to that old age problem for our nation, isn't it? To be saved. That's, that's what we need. That's why we pray. That's why we seek God to intercede on behalf of our nation that we are part of and for other situations. So the highest and the lowest meet in him. Also, look at this. Paul's generosity. Onesimus had nothing, not really in that respect. Lowly in everything, he's taken in by Paul as his aid, yes, as his companion, as his helper, and together. There's another thought that comes through. Together. You see, the joint together is one in Christ, in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. In his providential purposes and his plan. See, it's working out. It's working together. And this he must runs off. Where does he run off to? Who does he meet in a given situation? You know, I've got a picture in my mind of a similar situation. Can you remember um, the Macedonian call when Paul had in mind to go to Bithynia? And uh, the angel said to him, a voice said, well, said to him, look, no, he didn't, sorry. He had a vision of a man who was in Macedonia, in, in Europe on the opposite side. Uh, Come over, help us. That's where I'm going, he said. And that's where he went. Now, Paul journeys from Troas across to Philippi. Who's at Philippi? Lydia and some ladies that believe the gospel. What happens? They are praying. Their prayer is answered. Paul comes. They believe a church is established. You see, God in his overall providence is working out his purposes. That is great. You know, look, encourage ourselves in this, that when we are seeking God, he is working out his purposes on our behalf because he knows what we need. He knows and wants the best for us as a fellowship, yes, but as individuals as well. For us then, what standing, what status, what humility in exalting others above ourselves. That's the place to be. Fifthly, we see as Paul pleaded Onesimus' case before Philemon. Because as I've said, it has to be put right. And what a lovely letter that is. Read it through again. Read it through with the thoughts of, of that mutual love. 
And this is what he's saying, you see. He's pleading. He pleads the case of Onesimus. And did not our Lord Jesus Christ plead our case before his Father? And is that not better that he still intercedes for us now? Continually? And this is what Paul was doing for Onesimus. He was interceding for this man so that things would be put right because it mattered to him so much. It's the intercession through the reconciliation of the cross that we thank God that he died for us to bring us back to God. And now we have all the rights and privileges of the family relationship in God. Onesimus has some great privileges. He has some great promises. He has this God working on him and the most godly of men working with him. And it has to work, you see. Work together in God. All things work together for good, God's word says. To those that love the Lord. And then, well, it's right standing with God as our Father. See, if Onesimus returns, the law required that he could be put to death, and he should be in the Roman times, but running away as a slave. It wasn't certain, but Paul knew. The man Philemon. It seems to indicate that because he mentioned his wife and his son, that there could have been maybe in the past, it doesn't say, some sort of relationship. But you see, Paul ministered at Ephesus for so long, and Colossae, where uh, Onesimus and Philemon belonged, was very near, and the gospel went out through that part of Asia quite a lot, mainly from the ministry of Paul at that time. Paul went through ministering the gospel even before Ephesus so we've got all of this that Paul is writing to a man who would understand exactly what he's saying a believer like himself <clears throat> pleads the case to Philemon that Onesimus is now a fellow believer like himself isn't that lovely? At one time, he wasn't profitable. But now, you see, now he is. He's of value. Are we not all of great value? Well, can it put a price on that value? Look at Jesus Christ when he died on the cross. Son of God, <laughs> sinless saviour. What price can you put on a sinless life? There's only ever been one sinless man. And he's our saviour. But you see, we can always work to be in that position, like him. And, and that, that, that sets it. That's what Paul always sought to be, like the Lord. And that's what he says. And he writes to Philemon, a fellow brother, fellow believer. What a lovely letter that is. He's stating here's the case of now he's profitable. This man is of value. Think of that word. I love that word, value. Value means so much 
when you've got spiritually something of value what does it do to your life what does it do in your experience what does it do with the way you live how does it affect other people where's the values in Christ are priceless <coughs> they are you know sought after they ought to be sought after they ought to be once obtained ministry wise to be given to the glory of God and now he's really seeing this that Onesimus is now a fellow believer like himself a spiritual son of Paul a respected brother in Christ and is profitable and he says kindly receive him and treat him not as a slave thank God that was his past but as a brother beloved beloved of the Lord Yes, of Paul. But you see what he's saying to Philemon. It's the Lord. The Lord loves him. The Lord saves him. The Lord's doing the work for him. And it's always that case. And it touches, I believe, the heart of Philemon. It cannot do any other. If you're spiritually minded, it's got to have an effect in your life. It's got to. It, there's, there's no question about that. If you open to God, you open to what he has for you and then receive it and use it and give it and share it. And Paul was always of that frame of mind. He's profitable. How profitable am I in the things of God? How profitable are we in the things of God? Just a thought, just to think about how important that is. You see... Sent with Onesimus is Tychicus. He's not on his own. You see, a letter may well be enough, but a believer, fellow believer that knows the experience that Onesimus has, is a testimony in itself. You see, why did Paul send Tychicus? with him. Look at what Paul says when he, he mentions those that are with him, giving thanks, always praying for everyone in every situation. That's encouragement. Why? For Onesimus is not on his own. There's a fellow believer and nor are we. We need the fellowship of one another. We need to be with each other. We need to share with each other. There's no record of reconciliation but I believe there would be in Christ and, and it would work out because of the manner of Philemon and the way Paul was in that city which is so finally I've gone on a bit right. sixth and, and the last thing I really want, want, want to say is this we see the need for an older Christian to stand for a younger Christian it doesn't matter how old we are and years and years of our Christian experience, we can be and should be and ought to be valuable to our fellow believer in every situation. Stay with the man and woman of God who love God with experience. They can share with you and with us things that we need as we grow. We're all growing. And the more we know in Christ, the stronger we'll be in our life as we grow with him. So Paul himself 
just now before I finish, in Acts 9 verses 26 to 27, knew something of this experience because he's writing about something in a position he himself was in. Because you see, someone spoke for him. Joseph, that was the name he was given by his parents, but the believers give him a better name, Barnabas. Son of help, a son of consolation. And what does Barnabas do? The rest of the church are fearful of Saul of Tarsus. He's a persecutor, hates them. Barnabas knows that he's saved. Barnabas knows he's now Paul. So what does he do? He's now Paul, a disciple. He's brought and commended to the church of Jerusalem. You see, Barnabas knew, Barnabas knew, hey, Paul needs someone. Paul needs a friend. He just needs someone to stand for him, to stand surety. So that's what he does. He speaks for him. And they know Barnabas because they give him the name. He's a son of consolation. He's a great believer in God. Oh my, hey, when someone speaks for you and stands for you like that, what a great privilege that is. And it was, and they believed. Paul himself knew that situation. So in our service, everyday needs, and this is just what I conclude with, Everybody needs somebody at some time. That's so important. You don't want to believe on you. Haven't said that simply yet, profoundly. Put every put this way. Everyone needs Jesus all and every time. Oh.